Today we're seeing a couple of extraordinary things take place in our passage. <clears throat> All around this, this one question. This question's found in verse 25. Who then is this? And this has been a question that, that continues to come up. Luke is making a point in the gospel that he has written of answering this question, asking and then answering this question, who is this Jesus? So far we've seen at least three different times where this question has been asked, whether it's been the Pharisees or the disciples. Who is this guy? And so Luke is kind of, well not kind of, Luke is unfolding and showing us who this Jesus is. And so what we get to see in our passage today is this unfolding of who this Jesus is. Starting in verse 22, our passage starts like this. One day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So... They set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased. And there was a calm. He said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even winds and water and they obey him? Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite of Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on a hillside and they begged him to let them enter there. So he gave them permission and entered the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. Now when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. 
And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Father God, we ask this morning that you would enlighten our hearts to your word. That you would soften our hearts and give us eyes to see. Father, would you please continue to chip away at our hearts. Please continue to make us more whole, more into the image of your son, Jesus. Please allow your children here this morning to be encouraged, to find hope. But also, Father, if there are your children who are living in disobedience, that you would bring them to repentance, that you would convict them. And Father, for those, of, those who are in here who do not know you, who are far from you, who are living a, a life that is totally opposite of, of what you have called them into, would you please take that heart of stone and replace it with a, a real beating heart where your law is written on it? Please do that this morning. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. There is a stress or anxiety or um, depressed epidemic going on in our society. Now, there are a few ways that people tend to cope with this. Some find their relief from stress in Shopping. Some find their relief from stress in eating, right? We, we know that, uh, who has heard of the term stress eating? Oh, okay, see, there we go. See, see, I'm onto something here. Some, though, find their stress from... Pornography. Some find their relief from stress from alcohol or drugs. Like I said, some find their stress relief from buying things. And so you have great, great aunt Matilda who has 500 garden gnomes outside because whenever she gets sad, she just goes and buys the next garden gnome. You see, our... Human nature 
wants to find something to cling on to. Our human nature wants us to look at Jesus as the object of fear so that we can then keep our sin and idols. Our flesh tells us Jesus wants to take those away and these are are good. Where Jesus does want to take them away, but he wants to give you something so much better. You see, what our passage is showing us this morning is that knowing and believing Jesus leads to greater faith, peace, and obedience. I mean, this is incredible. Where a society continues to run after things that don't bring pleasure and history actually tells us it doesn't bring pleasure. Jesus says, I can give you the ultimate pleasure. So we come to our passage this morning. We come to the passage of Jesus and his disciples crossing the sea. They got into a boat, a bunch of professional fishermen and a carpenter. Kind of sounds like a bar joke. They get into a boat. And they're heading across the Sea of Galilee. Now, now let me continue to, to press home. These are professional fishermen. As Jesus is exhausted from the ministry that he is doing, he decides to take a little bit of a, a, a sleep, a slumber, to, to catch up on his rest. And our passage tells us that as they sailed out, a huge windstorm comes. The Sea of Galilee was below sea level. And so it was kind of like that. Or is that good enough? (laughs) And what would happen is wind would come over the mountains down into the Sea of Galilee and cause great storms to take place. Now these fishermen who are with Jesus would have faced storms like these before. But also, storms like these would have taken the lives of thousands of people. These fishermen knew these seas, and yet our passage tells us that these fishermen were afraid. They couldn't do their job. They were supposed to sail the boat across the Sea of Galilee... While Jesus is taking a nap and and now they're realizing we can't handle this storm. We're, We're in danger. Our lives are at stake here. All the meanwhile, Jesus is sitting at the back of the boat sleeping, which if you really think about it, is an amazing thing to to think how the, the waves and the water are splashing into the boat. Surely Jesus is getting wet, but yet he's so exhausted that he's still just sleeping right through it all. They didn't have the fancy boats where you could go underneath and stay dry back then. And so what do the disciples do right here? 
And they went and woke Jesus. They went and woke Jesus and said, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke. Jesus awoke and it says next that he rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased. Jesus spoke to the winds and the waves and they ceased. But not only does our passage say that they ceased, our passage tells us that they were calm. The water was as calm as it was before the storm had started. It didn't need a little bit of time to settle down. No, when Jesus spoke and rebuked the winds and the waves, it ceased and was calm. There was a glass over the sea. You know, this morning as I was letting our our golden doodle Ruby outside to go to the bathroom, I usually feel pretty good when I can call her name and she just comes back right away. (laughs) But but that usually only happens maybe 25% of the time. But Jesus here speaks to the winds and the waves and automatically they ceased and they were calm. Who then is this Jesus? Well, this is the same God all the way back in Genesis who spoke the great flood to come up and told it when to stop. This is the same God who spoke these very waves and wind into existence. So of course when Jesus speaks to his created things, they would listen to him. And that's exactly what we see that Jesus has authority over nature. Now you would expect Jesus to, to then say something like, ah, I'm, I'm glad that you brought your fears to me, which we should. But what he says next is interesting. Because it's almost as if he's giving his disciples a little bit of a rebuke right now. As he says, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Have you not seen me raise a young man to life? Have you not seen me take sicknesses from people? Why are you afraid? I'm in the boat with you. I'm in the boat with you, disciples. There's no need to be afraid. But yet what we see is that his disciples were afraid and then they marveled and they asked one another, who then is this? 
You know what's amazing is that a lot of things happen on, on the boat with the disciples. Because before what we saw, when we first saw Jesus interact with Peter, Peter kneels down and says, I'm not worthy of you. Right here we're seeing kind of this awakening of who then is this? And in a little while, a little later in the Gospels, what we'll see is that on the boat during another storm, the disciples actually say, this is the Son of God. But for right now, we have to deal with this question, who then is this? When fear comes your way, when depression and anxiety and stress come your way, when the, the waves of temptation seem to be drowning out your heart, where are you putting your faith? In one of his sermons, Charles Spurgeon once said that he loved the, the winds and the the waves of temptations and fears and, and trials because what the waves would do is it would smash him onto the rock of ages. What Charles Spurgeon is, is saying right there is that when those trials and temptations and fears come his way, it drives him to the cross. It drives him to Jesus. The, the disciples had Jesus in the boat with them. And so when those trials and fears and temptations come your way, what are you placing your faith in? Are you running to the cross? Are you running to Jesus? Or do those stresses and fears and Temptations drive you to alcohol? Does it drive you to mindlessly turning on your TV just to kind of numb your brain? Does it drive you to put your faith and trust in comfort food or a quick fix of pornography on the computer? Because when we are fearful, our fear always drives us to something. And it's either Jesus or something else. When the person who is fearful that their reputation will be tarnished, what they will do is they will start to gossip in order to make themselves look more superior. When idols and Sins are threatened. We will always try to keep them as close as possible. And so when your fears come, where do you go? Where is your faith? Who then is this Jesus that you are putting your trust in? Because it is one thing to say, I trust in Jesus with my whole life. And it's another thing to act like it. To pursue that daily. And so what Luke does next is he then 
unfolds who this Jesus is just a little bit more. Because Jesus is not the only one who can calm us in the midst of the storm. Right, let me, let me just be honest right here. This is me stepping away from what I have written. Is when you become a Christian, trials don't go away. Fears don't go away. But we have one who will hold us fast. That's why we sing songs like that. He will hold me fast. When I fear my faith will fail, he will hold me fast. When the tempter should prevail, he will hold me fast. The disciples aren't going overboard on this boat, whether they wake Jesus up or not. Because Jesus is going to hold them fast no matter what. But Jesus just doesn't do that. You see, as we continue to read on, we we see in verses 26 through 39, one of the most extraordinary things. I, I, I look at this passage and I think that this is one of the most amazing passages um, that, that we have in the Gospels. Because what we're seeing is we're seeing this tormented, demon-possessed man. I mean, this, this dude is, is seriously, he is unnerved. He, he is running around naked, right? This isn't a nudist colony. He's, he's running around naked. He's not in his right mind. Mark, in, in the gospel of Mark, Mark tells us that, that he's actually taking stones and cutting himself, that he is wandering tombs day and night crying, this man is seriously, <laughs> he's, he is seriously, he's got serious problems. <laughs> he does. Right, I mean, he's running around naked. He's cutting himself with stones. He's crying day and night and he's so much more comfortable living around dead people that he decides to to live amongst the tombs instead of a home. Not to mention our passage tells us that they tried bounding him up with chains and tried setting guards around him. But when the demon would take over, the demons would wrench the shackles and the chains and he would be driven out of the comfort of probably being in a shelter, to the desert. I mean, this is a tormented man. Mark also tells us that he was so fierce that he wouldn't let people pass by if they needed to get through. So if if you're hoping to go to Grandma Patty's gravesite and lay some flowers down and you see the naked dude running around, you know I'm not going today. And so we see this picture of this man who is tormented physically, emotionally, spiritually. This is a gruesome sight. And as Jesus steps out of the boat, 
This demon-possessed man thinks that he is meeting another person that he can fiercely just manhandle. But what we see is something that is opposite because this demon-possessed man wasn't expecting to be confronted with the Son of God. When Jesus had stepped out in verse 27 on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he wore no clothes and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, all he had to do was see Jesus. He, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. Because as James says, even the demons believe. But they have the right mind to shudder. And so immediately this demon-possessed man knew that he was in the presence of the Son of God. And he cries out yelling, Do not torment me, Jesus. He falls down. He shouts. He even recognizes that this is Jesus, the Most High God, the Son of the Most High God. And so Jesus then asks him, what is your name? And the demon doesn't really give him a name. He just says, we are legion for many demons had entered him. Many demons had entered him as kind of an understatement when you know that legion is a Roman army phrase for about 6,000 soldiers. So in this one man, there was about 6,000 demons. That's, what, that's why they're saying we are legion. And so this could seem like a pretty unfair fight. 6,000 demons against one guy. But yet what we're seeing is that this man falls down before Jesus, recognizing, pleading with him, do not torment me. Not only do not torment me, but don't send me into the abyss. They knew that Jesus had the power and authority to send them wherever they wanted. And did you catch this? The demons didn't just run away. Why? Because they knew that only Jesus could send them away. They needed Jesus' permission. Because Jesus has authority even over the demons. And the demons know it. And the demons plead with them not to torment them or to throw them into the abyss. The abyss for right now is the time where demons are held captive. It is like a demon jail. Until the end times where, where Jesus will throw them all into the lake of fire. And so they know that Jesus has the authority to send them wherever he pleases. And they see the great herd of pigs. And they ask Jesus, 
Send us into those. Now a herd of pigs back then was about 2,000. It's a lot of bacon. And so Jesus gives them the okay. He sends them into the great herd of pigs. And they run off the cliff. Now we see one of the most extraordinary things happen next. Starting in verse 34. When the herdsmen saw that what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. The people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus. This is one of the most beautiful verses And they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Jesus came proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. What we are seeing happening right here is Jesus Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. This demon-possessed man is such a clear outward representation of our inward hearts. Tormented day and night. Looking for peace. Yet not finding the peace that he is looking for. He and his life is the representation of our hearts. But what did Jesus come to do? He came to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. He came to proclaim that he is making all things new. As um, one of the, Sharice and I read, had in the Jesus Storybook Bible. This is God's secret rescue plan that he's starting to make known. Is that he's come to put people in their right mind through proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. It extends to the soul and outward to everything else. I mean, this is what Jesus has come for us ultimately to do. He's come to, to live the life that you and I are supposed to live. A perfect spotless life that we can't live. And what he does is he sacrificially lays down his life for us. So that all those who repent of their sins and put their faith in Jesus, watch this. Watch this. 
can be found sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his righteousness, in his right mind. That's the free gift that's extended to us. Aren't you tired of chasing after things that never actually really satisfy your soul? Aren't you tired of continuing to long after things that for whatever reason just seem to always making you want more? Uh, uh, Augustine of Hippo has this great phrase that our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Is this not the case for this man right here? And is this not the case for all those who trust in Jesus and his work? That we are restless until we find rest in God. Because when we find rest in him, you will find us sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed, in his righteousness, in our right minds. This is the good news of the gospel. <laughs> this is the incredible news of the gospel. That's, that's the, the, the free gift to, to you and I. We can't work for this. It's just freely given to us. But yet, here's the thing. is unfortunately, if we remember to last week about the, the parables of the four soils, do, do most of you know what the four soils are? You've got the soil that's hard. You've got the soil where there's rocks. You've got the soil where there's thorns. And then you've got the good soil. And each soil represents the heart. And the word of God is planted in each one, but each one, diff something different happens to it. So the first soil, the Satan comes and takes away the seed of the word of God. The second soil is planted by the rocks. And so it sprouts up. It's joyful. It's happy. And then it's scorched out by the sun. And the third soil is the, the soil that ends up getting choked by the cares of this world. But the fourth soil is the good seed. See, see, one of the amazing things about Jesus and his parables is that he teaches his parables. But then he shows his disciples his parables. And so what we are seeing happen next in, in verses 36 through 39 is, is this parable happen. We see two different types of soil take place. The word of God is planted on both of them. See, it says right here that when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told in the, country, or in the, the city and the country. They, they went back and told all of the people that they could what they had just seen Jesus do. They went and told them. But yet, what we see is one of the most tragic things. Is that then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them. Because they were seized with great fear. Here is this demon-possessed man who is wreaking havoc on their city and country. And Jesus comes and puts them in his right mind. And yet, what do the people want Jesus to do? Leave. Because their hearts are so hard, they would rather have their sin than their Savior. 
They would rather continuing to, to worship their, their sin and their comfortable lives than, than have a, a Savior who can put them in their right mind. How much longer can, can we go on living a life where we would rather have our sin and idols than Jesus? Brothers and sisters, and yet we do this daily. Because when those fears and trials come, what are you putting your faith in? Who then is this Jesus to you? But we also see what it looks like when the seed is planted on the good soil. We know that these people's hearts were like the first soil where Satan snatches the seed away. But we see what type of soil this man's soul is. See, the man from whom the demons had gone begged Jesus that he might be with them, rightfully so. I mean, think about it. For years, this man was tormented by demons. Of course, he would want to beg Jesus to stick around with him. I'm sure he's afraid that they're going to come back. But what does Jesus say? But Jesus sent him away. Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And so he goes home. And he declares throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. This is a man who when he heard the word of God, it was planted in the good soil. And he went home and he did not hide that light under a basket, but instead he, he, let, it, he let it shine. He let it shine just telling his testimony to all of those that he could. When is the last time that you shared your testimony with somebody? You don't need to have a great testimony like this. Not even that this is a, a great testimony. You don't need to have a testimony like this. Because the, if the reality is, is that we were dead in our sins, if God's judgment was on us and he saved us from that, that's the greatest testimony. That's all you need to share. I once was lost, but now I'm found. When was the last time you just shared your testimony? So maybe right now you're thinking to yourself, I don't, I don't want to have more fear. You know, I, I want to let my light shine, but it's so difficult Maybe that's what you're thinking right now. And let me just throw this out here. Nobody's perfect, so maybe that's what we all should be thinking. 
when the day that you became a Christian, you were bought into a family. God looked at you as a child. And you and I were not created to do this alone. We even see in Jesus' ministry that he doesn't do this alone. God has bought you into a family. And so that's why we need deep community, not just on Sundays, throughout the week. Because if we want to see growth in our lives, the Holy Spirit will use one another to encourage each other. One of the most amazing things that can happen is when those fears are starting to wrestle and you see the white caps of the waves starting to come. And a brother or sister comes up to you and says, look to Jesus. I'm here with you. We're in this boat together and Jesus is here too. He's got all things under control. But if we are just segregating ourselves to our own little lives and homes. The storm is fierce. You see, Jesus has come to bring faith to the faithless, peace to the peaceless, and obedience to the rebels. And we see that in our passage. Let us be a people who do this together, who lock arms and march forward. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have sent your son Jesus to die for our sins, to buy us into a family, so that way, as we continue to move forward with our brothers and sisters. We know that we have people in our corners. But ultimately, we know that we have your son, Jesus. So would you please stir in us a greater desire, a greater commitment to one another and you. Father, please let your gospel transform us and please put it in our hearts this deep fire that we can only do it when we're living with one another, pointing each other to you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like
It is well.